Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. What is the most environmentally conscious thing you've ever done? I know we're just starting off with nothing, just small things. Yeah, just small things. Well, I don't know if it's the most the most environmentally conscious thing I've ever done, but I carry my own like bamboo cutlery and, oh. and a reusable straw set around. I feel like that's a good thing to do. What about you? Yeah, those those single uses are are no good. Right. Uh, for me, I and I can't take I can't really take credit for this, but uh, <laughs> when my uh, now wife and I bought our house uh, a couple years ago, uh, it was ready, moving ready. But literally, the first thing we did to it was install solar panels. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, and that wasn't actually the plan. Like, this is something we really wanted to do, but we moved in and there happened to be a kind of co-op going on in their neighborhood where mm. a bunch of residents got together and they did all the vetting and stuck the contractors and all of that. Oh. And so she actually just signed up for this listserv uh, or this email list thinking, oh yeah, this would be great, something we want to do eventually. And evidently we came in at the, okay, we've decided on everything, yeah. now it's time to go stage. And we went, I mean, someone vetted this for us. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, and something, yeah. Uh, again, we probably would have done eventually, but the timing just worked out really well. Perfect. Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon, and I'm Vicky Thompson, and this is Third Pod from the Sun. Okay, so it's day two of our special series, our special, I guess, not so live mm. series uh, from our annual meeting. And the theme of today is future of the planet. Future of the planet, not heavy or anything, just a really light topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally easy to figure all this out in this uh 10 to 15 minute podcast we're going to do. <laughs> uh, but, but opposed to our... Uh, our own personal kind of small but mighty actions. We're mm-hmm. going to hear from someone who thinks about this as part of their job uh, in a much more substantial way. Uh, we're going to hear from Carmen George. Great. Let's hear it. My name is Carmen George, and I am the MEQ and Research Manager for Community Outreach and Patient Empowerment slash Brigham and Women's Hospital. My name is Brianna John. I am a research assistant at Community Outreach and Patient Empowerment and Brigham and Women's Hospital. So the Navajo Reservation, it encompasses, you know, the Four Corners area, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. And there's roughly about 150,000 people living on the Navajo Reservation right now. And it's about the size of West Virginia. And within that area, there's only currently 13 grocery stores. So that's something that we thought was really interesting and we wanted to look further into in terms of food access, food accessibility for people living on the Navajo Reservation. So the Navajo Reservation, we do have rivers Mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of underground water. And so we do have water available, but with the historical mining and extraction of minerals, a lot of that water has been contaminated. And so while there is water on the reservation, you don't see it, um, much of it has been contaminated by mining. Uranium mining, right? Yes, and so 
but we do um, get our water source is from some of those underground water plus the river and so that's where we get our water from. How easy is it to get water in these areas? I would say I think the estimated access to plumbing our public water system is about 70% of people on the reservation have that so there's still 30% of homes that don't have plumbing and so what they usually do is they'll go and they'll go to their local chapter house or a local water source to get water but sometimes people they can't afford it too so they'll go to livestock wells and they'll use well water and a lot of those well waters are contaminated and so people will still access and drink that water. So there are, and are they aware that it's polluted? A lot of the times um, they, there have been studies where um, they have shown that the water is polluted, but it's also important to remember in the Navajo or Diné culture, water is a sacred and living being. And so when we have done focus groups and talked to communities about their water source, a lot of them um, think it's important how you speak about water and speak to water because however you speak about water, yeah, they might use the water that is for livestock and might be contaminated, but to them, they want to think positive about it and that's what they put into their bodies. But yeah, they do use sometimes if that's kind of the last resort or they don't have anyone to get water from, then they'll use those contaminated water sources. Yeah. So what are some of the other big concerns about water and, and in, that, in that area? I think for us, um, as we're working in promoting health, we started working to increase access to healthy fruits and vegetables on the Navajo Nation. So working with stores and trying to increase access there so that people have, you know, that it's available when people shop. But along with promoting healthy eating, we also feel it's important what people are drinking. And so to consider that as well. And so we've been working to promote healthy beverages. So having people choose water over sugary drinks. And so, and something that's a challenge because if people have to work really hard to get water, then, you know, buying soda or buying sugary drinks is easier and more accessible at times for families. Mm -hmm. And so we're just trying to work to promote drinking water in homes. And so as we're working with that, a lot of the times the families, they don't feel their water is safe. And that comes from the historical, I guess, perspectives. How do you encourage people to get over this fear of water? Because it's one thing to test the water, but if you see that the water is contaminated, that's still gonna sort of push you in the direction of, you know, maybe sugary drinks, because at least you know that those have passed some sort of safety standard. I think for the way that I see it, it's really important and that's why we integrate the cultural aspect because when you um, learn about water and, you know, 
with Navajo, we have clans. And so when we say our clans and talk about our clans, a lot of our clans are rooted in water. And then just in ceremony, you use water there. And so just trying to teach um, the young children about respecting water and having that sacredness towards water. I feel like that's important in promotion because then you know water can be healing too and water can help you. And, and that's kind of the basis of this, right? Like if you, if you choose water over sugary drinks, you're less likely to develop chronic diseases. And so I think that's really important to teach that traditional aspect. And so in that, while you're teaching about tradition, science, what they can do, empowerment, I think all these pieces and healthy eating can lead to healthier future for children. But that's kind of like my perspective. So you're also working on community trust here in addition to alleviating some of the problems that have been caused. Is that been a big obstacle for you, or do you find that people are willing to accept the information you're giving them and are open to it? For me, like I, when I went out into the field with the um, with the students and the mentors, it was just really neat that the students. I feel like because they're students and youth wanting to learn, then people were more open to let them test their water. They're like, sure, you know. But if I went, <laughs> it'd probably be a different story. Like, it'll prob it'd probably be a little harder and I'd have to explain a lot of things. But because it was the youth and their curiosity and their, their approaching the um, community first, then I feel like it was more accepted. And then, and then now, I'm curious when they give those two pagers back. So we really value giving information back to the people and not just keeping it for ourselves. And so that's kind of what we want to instill too is if you do any type of research, sampling, you need to give it back to who it belongs to and who you took it from. And so we're trying to also help instill that. So I'm really curious when they go back and they give the two pagers and the results to um, the people, like how that will be um, recepted or received. Mm -hmm. And so, but we haven't done that yet. I think um, like Brianna mentioned, there is just one public water utility company on Navajo Nation. And so I know that they, work really hard to ensure that the water is safe for consumers to drink. And so I think we purchase a lot of water off reservation. And so we'll purchase a lot, some from the cities over. And so that's kind of where we get our water from. As far as cleaning it up, I know there are different probably universities that are trying to find ways to help, well, affordable ways to clean up arsenic in water. And so I don't think there's anything being done right now that I know of where they're cleaning it or 
putting it through any type of process, I think, because, you know, it's usually a really expensive process. I think they're trying to find ways to do it at a lower cost. Mm -hmm. But for now, I haven't heard of anything being done about it. And pretty much where we come in is more on the health and education piece. And so if someone really needed their water, if, there, if it was contaminated, but when we did this project, the homes that we tested, that we tested drinking water from, all of them were safe. And so I think if we did find one that wasn't safe, first we would reach out to the public water utility company. There's groups out there that help with plumbing um, in organizations, but yeah, right now we don't have, we didn't find any place that was really contaminated as far as home. My dream would be as far as if we think about water and there was no limit to clean up the water, you know, to really be able to have a plant out there that could clean up the water and give people confidence in water. I think people need to have a clean community water system too. And so, like I said, there are families that can't afford it or they don't have a place to go to get water, so they use livestock water. If they had a better place and a cleaner place, I feel like that would be good. So. We got a little bit of funding from Nalgene to do like a community water um, project. And so what we're trying to do is trying to find a place. It could be like at a store, at a church, at a school, somewhere where people can go to get their, their water. And so we're trying to do a community water system. And they had, during COVID on Navajo Nation, they had established some community water locations, but I think it got expensive and they're not doing that anymore. But I feel like play, things like that would really benefit people that need it. And so that would be good is to just have places on the Navajo Nation because the Navajo Nation has 110 communities. So within each community, if there was one place that people could get clean water, then I feel like that would be really helpful. Um, and so I feel like that would be good, you know, education, like just having students learn about water. Um, and of course, the, the traditional and cultural aspects, making sure that is being taught and respected. And then, and there are a lot of studies on the Navajo Nation as far as water, water quality, but making sure that those are being communicated back to the people. I feel like that is really important. And so if money was no object, you know, to make sure that everyone knows what, where their water source is and then what their readings are at home, what can be done, drink tap water if they're able to, you know, those I think are really important. So Shane, are you inspired to be a better steward of the planet? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy personally about our solar panels. But sure, I, I recognize that we could all be doing uh, probably a little more. Yeah, I'd like to start composting. Ooh, yeah. We, I will say, we have a compost bin mm-hmm. that we're not very good at. Yeah, that's what happens <laughs> to me. I, I always I, like have false starts, but I one day I want to. Maybe maybe you and well. I can make a joint New Year's resolution <gasps> to uh, to be composting in the new year. Yeah, we could like check in with each other on it. That's great. There we go. Perfect. We'll we'll hold each other accountable. Yeah. Uh, and and so with that, and everyone on this podcast hearing that, so don't please don't hold us to that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all from Third Pod from the Sun. Special thanks to Laura Krantz for conducting the interview, and to you, Shane, for producing the episode. Audio engineering was by Colin Warren with artwork by Olivia Ambrosio. If you'd like to see video for at least part of this interview, you can head over to YouTube and search for AGUTV. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Please rate and review the podcast, and you can find new episodes in your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you tomorrow.